0: Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're now on Red Circle instead of Podbean, as well as Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more. We're also on the Five Reasons YouTube channel. We really want to get to 20,000 subscribers before the start of the season. We are so close. We're literally in double digits away at this point. So make sure you hit the like and subscribe buttons. Also check out fivereasonssports.com and spell that one out. also want to tell you about the great sponsors of the 5 Reasons Sports Network. This is a relatively new sponsor for us. It's called Mobile C-Arm and Staffing Services. What is that? Well, this is what they do. They rent the C-Arm equipment on a short and long-term basis to hospitals, surgery centers, chiropractic offices, and pain management offices. They offer cadaver lab courses, which is where the medical device companies set up a lab to showcase their products to surgeons who may not have used them before. So they service office-based procedures, pain management offices, chiropractic offices, and also cadaver courses reach out to our guy Nelson he's a huge Miami Heat fan okay that's how he found us work with Miami Heat fans why wouldn't you do that okay 561-891-9620 that's 561-891-9620 here's the website that's the important thing because you can fill out a form if you're interested and Nelson will get right back to you it's www.c as in cat dash arm and staffing c dash arm and staffing.com and now, today's episode. Down the
1: gang. Uh, five on the floor, ride for my dogs. Well, here's the thing. You can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buck to say, you in trouble, y'all Check the floor playing, got a whole band. Y'all seen the block, stop the one here. And Pat me trust, it's power have the guts. We here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up.
0: Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. Again, you can follow me at Five Reason Sports and at Ethan J. Skolnick, and you can follow us, Greg Sylvander at Greg Sylvander. Just the two of us tonight, Alex and Brady, will be back. During the week, Alex and Brady joined me on the podcast with Jamal Kane. Make sure you check that out. We put it out on the YouTube channel, also on the podcast feed over the weekend. We had a lot of fun with him. He needs to pick better restaurants in Miami than Hard Rock. But we had a moment, uh, if you actually watch the video on the YouTube channel, but you can kind of hear it happening on the podcast, where we were actually sitting upstairs in the, uh, kind of in the break, sort of in the break room. There's a little, for people who haven't been upstairs, kind of behind the curtain here a little bit. When you walk up towards the practice facility through gate four, if you can make a once you get upstairs, you can make a left turn into the practice gym, or you can go straight, and that's towards the offices. Well, look, this is a regular office. I mean, of course, they have the champion stuff, all the pictures on the walls and all that stuff. They also have coffee machines, okay? They've got cups, they've got, you know, straws, they've got all that stuff. Uh, and so just as we were doing the podcast with Jamal Kane, we're sitting at a table and trying to set everything up and all the rest. And Eric Spolster walks behind us and basically wants a cup of coffee and can't get the cup of coffee he wants. So, if you check it out on the YouTube channel, it was kind of funny. Uh, He sort of popped in. It was kind of like a uh, Chris Bosch uh, accidental photobomb. But we did arrange for Jamal Kane to go to dinner with Eric Spolster in the Gables, where I'm sure he'll find a better steak than he found at Hard Rock. But today's floor plan, we're going to set the stage for you for the season, not with a preview necessarily of how the Heat are going to do, because we're going to do that as we get a little bit closer. But Greg and I are going to do this perspective thing that the two of us do where we're going to kind of look at where the heat are in this cycle because the heat have been in a number of different cycles over the course of the Pat Riley era. And I can tell you, I started covering the heat uh, in Pat's first season here. Okay. I was a backup writer for the Palm Beach Post on Pat's first season. I was actually, believe it or not, on a date when he traded for Tim Hardaway that night. I had a beeper, not a cell phone. I was told nothing was going to happen that night. That's what Pat told us all to our faces. And he made a trade of five players for five players, including Tim Hardaway. So that's how far back I go. Okay, obviously, Greg's fandom goes back uh, that far and a little bit further. And so the Heat have been in a number of cycles. They they have been in what they sort of called build cycles. Okay, if you talk to people who have been in the organization a long time, you know, that was a build cycle. You know, in the in the 90s, Pat comes in. He had one asset, which was Glenn Rice. He traded the one asset for Alonzo Mourning. Then he added additional assets. Uh, we used other assets, like uh, Kurt Thomas, for instance, to get Jamal Mashburn. Uh, various sort of over uh, overrated assets to get Tim Hardaway. Uh, and that was kind of the team he put together and, of course, used free agency to get P.J. Brown and Dan Marley, okay, and was trying to get Jawan Howard. That was a build cycle. That was through the end of the 90s, right? Then that build cycle kind of hit a snag, right? Because they kept running into the Knicks and kept losing. So he went out in 2000, the big free agent year before 2010, tried to get Grant Hill, tried to get Tracy McGrady, ended up settling for uh, Eddie Jones, Brian Grant and Anthony Mason, but put a really good team together and then Zoe got sick. That was kind of the end of that build cycle. They had to rebuild, right? So then the next couple of years, the Karan Butler draft pick, right? After uh, having a pretty horrible, you know, a sort of nondescript season uh, with a bunch of vets that came in like Kendall Gill and Jimmy Jackson and Cedric Sabalos and those type of players then drafted Karan uh, Butler, sort of the build cycle. These are not Sacramento Kings build cycles. They don't take 15 years. They try to get this done in like two, three, four years. So they end up, uh, bringing in Karan Butler and then Dwayne Wade. And then they accelerated that build cycle with a trade for Shaq. Okay. Win a championship, 2006, second year with Shaq. The decline starts, hit rock bottom in 07, 08. New build cycle, sort of delayed, sort of slow played with Dwayne Wade because they bring in Michael Beasley and Mario Chalmers, but then ultimately uh, are really sort of holding out for the summer of 2010 so they they sort of danced around with lamar odom bringing him back that didn't end up happening but they kept the rest of their cap space and we know what happened in 2010 build cycle right really quick build cycle you got lebron james you get chris bosh you go to four finals you win two championships lebron leaves new build cycle plan there was build around Dwayne and chris right chris gets sick okay so that build cycle was kind of short circuited because that was the drafting of Winslow, the drafting of Josh Richardson, you know, bringing in Lowell Dang, etc. cetera. Very good team. Got to game seven of the second round, couldn't get past. Bosch gets sick. And then they end up with a situation of uh, bringing in, you know, it's all those big contracts, which was kind of a glitch in the build cycle. 2016, 2017, Dwayne leaves, Dwayne comes back, Jimmy Butler comes in, new build cycle. So. That's a long winded way of saying this is what they do. Okay. And I had this conversation with a very high ranking member of the Heat organization in the summer before they got Jimmy Butler in Las Vegas over breakfast, where essentially I was told just give us some time. We know where we are on the build cycle. We just need a break. We need somebody to want to come. He came. They drafted smartly, Greg, very smartly. Okay. Tyler Hero, bam out of bio. I've been worthy of extensions. Have you said, right? They've built with young, cheap talent, okay, that they have not overpaid to this point. Struess, Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin gets a reasonable contract. Now they bring in Jovich. They've got Omer. They have a a sort of a young core. But everybody talks about that they're in Jimmy's window, like the build cycle, like the clock is ticking fast. We talked about that with Lowry. Where are they as they enter the 2022-2023 season in this build cycle,
1: Probably in the most unique position they've ever been in in a build cycle, I mean, obviously the the glitz and glamour of a build of a big three build cycle is just a different conversation when you have a heat index page. I'll never forget that, and I'll keep mentioning it on this show. Um It's just crazy to think about that that took place. But this is a unique build like build cycle in that it doesn't look like they're going to have to bottom out. It, it, it's one of the one the build cycles that they've actually have a really nice blend and not a, a blend that is like that you're worried is going to fall off a cliff it's a blend of young players of young developmental players. And then you have obviously your top line talent and some of your veteran leadership like Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler. So I think it's one of the few times that you are not going to have to go through that lull. You're going to be able to do something closer to a soft reset along the way, but for now, and again, that's down the line. So if we're just talking about, I think that there's some encouraging signs about going essentially like you're, I would say halfway through the Jimmy Butler experience to some degree. You can argue with me on the years and however, how long maybe he'll be here forever. Uh, and that would be great. Still, though, you have Tyler and Bam that can take the torch along the way, and those guys are contributing to winning now. So like to me, that's super encouraging that your young players are such a big part of it, and it's not like, okay, let's see what these guys are going to turn into. You kind of know that you have ascending players, and then it's just about building with Jimmy, and I think that there is – also the possibility for one more move throughout this build cycle. So you have a lot of flexibility in that way. I know that Heat fans don't feel very flexible because we've been very rigid in terms of transactions throughout this past summer, but that can change in an instant. So to me, it's actually probably the most interesting build cycle in that you actually have franchise pillars on the front end and the back end of this uh, roster build.
0: Yeah, it's a hybrid. And here's the other thing about it. When you look at some of the build cycles that the Heat were in, okay, let's look at the late 90s. You were dealing at that point um, with the Bulls still for a short period of time, right? Before Michael, uh, you know, the second half of sort of Michael's dominance, right? And then you look at some of the others, you were sort of dealing with LeBron on the other side of it for a little while, right? I mean, in in the big three area, he was on your side. But then after that, as you were trying to build, you were building with the specter of LeBron still at the peak of his powers in your conference. Okay, so that was an issue. And it probably would have been an issue you know, with the best team that the Heat assembled, even if Bosh had been healthy. I know there are some who believe they they might have beaten uh, the Cavs in 1516. I'm not among them. I I feel like LeBron would have won that series. Uh, But uh, because I think that I think to a certain extent, Dwayne was tapped out at that point. Uh, because he had really carried them through a lot of that postseason. You know, he's still trying to figure out how to play with Dragic. The white side Bosch thing was not really a good fit. Uh, people don't remember that. They were only, I think, two games over 500, you know, at the All-Star break. When, of course, Chris, you know, the news came down uh, about Chris at the All-Star break. So I'm not sure they would have gone past him. Here's the difference now. There is no dominant team. Um, now, Golden State just won the championship. They're paying their players a gazillion dollars, Okay, with just obviously, you know, with the extensions for Poole and for Wiggins. uh, Who knows what they'll do with Draymond and Clay? but they're still there. And as is Curry, they've got really interesting young players in Wiseman, Kuminga, etc. They seem to be really well positioned, provided that, you know, their ownership is going to pay the freight and it appears that they will. So, I mean, to me, they are uh, the team to to sort of beat going forward along with Milwaukee, because I believe Giannis is the best player in the world at this stage and that he can carry you. But there is no golden state with Durant. Uh, There is no, uh, you know, I don't even know that there's a big three heat uh, out there at this stage. No way. Right. So so I, I think that you're looking at it as wide open as it's been. Which is good for the heat because they can go either direction. And I think you've hit on the point here, okay? is that I, I feel like you know everybody has focused on sort of the 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 older end of this cycle, that you added Lowry to Jimmy and that the clock is ticking on both. But the reality is they they have, I mean, I don't know that Gabe Vincent is ever going to have the career that Kyle Lowry has had, but they have a player who can do similar things to what Kyle Lowry has done. They don't have anybody, at least at this stage, they don't have anybody who can replicate what Jimmy has done. But I I think we're discounting the fact that if Jimmy was to decline, which I don't think is going to happen in the next year or two, I think that his minutes uh, have been vastly overstated. If you look at his career and the number of minutes that Jimmy's played as compared to how many LeBron had played at the same age, it's not even close because Jimmy, I've made this point many times, Jimmy's not had those kind of deep playoff runs before the heat. He had one. Okay. So, so he does not have those kind of minutes. He also has been held out of a lot of games in his career and he's going to continue to be held out of more. So I, I don't feel like Jimmy's going to fall off the cliff, but I think you hit on it. I, they are banking on the significant improvements of Bam Adebayo and Tyler hero. And they have those players now locked in. And it feels a little bit okay, not that Jimmy is LeBron, okay, and not that Bam and Tyler are Chris and Dwayne, but it feels kind of like that pivot, except for this Bam and Tyler are a lot younger than Chris and Dwayne were at that stage. If you, when LeBron left in 2014 and they threw the bag at Chris, which pissed Dwayne off, even though they were very close friends and had the same agent you were talking about two guys. Chris would have aged very nicely, but Dwayne at that stage, we didn't know about Dwayne because Dwayne couldn't stay healthy. His last two years in the big three era, it was actually, it was actually after he got the contract, particularly in 16 that he started to look better. He changed his training techniques, etc., And he extended his career with the way that he played. But, but I would make a, a, a very reasonable argument, I think. And let you tell me if I'm wrong on this, that what we could see from, 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 Tyler and Chris, excuse me, Tyler and Bam over the next three years is better than we were even anticipating from seeing from Chris and Dwayne from, say, 14 through 17, provided that, again, Dwayne had stayed <laughs> through the next range of his contract and provided that Chris hadn't gone sick. Is that fair? Just because of
1: age. You're right. No, I think that that part of it. I think you'll get Heat fans upset if you compare the big three to this three. So we're not doing that, everybody. We're talking about directly following LeBron leaving that Chris Bosh and that Dwayne Wade and this Bam bio and this Tyler Hero. And I think you're onto something there. Like that is. They're building around these younger guys. And I know everyone has kind of flinched at Tyler's contract, for instance. Although when you look at what Jordan Poole got, who is to flinch at that deal? Um, I think Tyler Hero is a better player than Jordan Poole uh, all around. But here, like this is the other part of it. When the new TV money comes in and the cap spike comes and all of these deals are then graded on that curve, right? Where you're going to have a different percent to the cap that these deals are taking up when you have tyler hero making an average of what 32 and a half million or 31 million whatever it nets out to be that's not going to be so egregious when you look at where the cap spikes so i think that they also have this position where yeah they're gonna have to tap dance around the tax but the more they stay out of it the more that they get those uh reimbursement payments which can help with you know spending a mid-level exception, doing different things like that to surround these players so that they, they haven't exhausted every vehicle that way. and um, And these guys are young and they're going to be locked up. So here's the key. They have their core locked up before the cap spike. And I think that that is a key element because these guys are going to look much more affordable in value. It's crazy to call a forty or $30 million annual contract value, but they will be value when you compare them to the deals that come out after that cap spike goes into effect.
0: I made the exact same argument in 2014 about Bosch because people, everybody was freaking out about Chris getting the max in 2014 and I just kept saying this deal's gonna look fine because they were you were looking at cap spikes then. That was the same discussion then. And it would have looked fine. If not for a total freak thing like a blood clot, which, again, that didn't have anything to do with the Heat's decision making at the time of keeping him. And look, there was no Heat fan who wanted him to go to Houston. Okay, if you remember, the Rockets were in the mix there and you were talking about not only LeBron leaving, but Chris leaving. The mistake that was made there was not uh, taking Dwayne's feelings into account, which was something that was a consistent problem with this organization Uh, from 2000, pretty much before 2014, uh, but, but primarily 2014 through 2016, where every year it was like Dwayne was fighting for money that really should have been his. And again, they brokered the deal, uh, in 2015, um, where basically Patton and the late Henry Thomas got out of the way and that deal was done with the Arisons and they did the one year, $20 million contract, but Dwayne really never forgave anybody. And that led to the next year. And I, you know, I can reveal this now. I was talking to Dwayne pretty much every night at three in the morning during his process, just as, you know, a certain uh someone who's left uh, 790 a while ago who's moved on to much bigger things was talking to the, the head man every night, which is why I had that guy on my show when I was hosting on 790. So we could try to do the Dwayne Riley negotiation because they were doing it, which is actually my favorite 15 minutes of radio I've ever had in my life. Okay. Me too. <laughs> so, and everybody knew kind of what we were doing, honestly. And, and as did the parties involved, I think. Uh, I know the party that I was representing knew because he was listening from New York at the time. But I, I will say this, okay, that at that time when we discussed this, I kept saying the Bosch contract – is not going to be a problem, and it's the same for the Hero and Bam contracts. Now they're not they're not the problem. Okay, it, it, the the problem is if there is a problem, is that the Heat are somewhat hamstrung in the next sort of year or two potentially, because they have all these deals kind of coming together at once, and that may need require a consolidation trade, maybe trading a player like Duncan Robinson for less value or something along those lines. Okay, giving up an asset to keep yourself sort of more financially flexible because of the, the, you know, the explosion of these contracts at the same time, but they're not exploding to the degree golden States are. So that should be clear. And and also again, with the cap spike, there is a comfort level that they're going to be able to handle all this. And they do have, and we don't just say this, they, everybody says this. Okay. They do have the best guy in the league at actually handling this kind of stuff. So they will figure out a way to accomplish this. All right. But again, and then we're going to break and I want to get to one more quick thing before we go, but, I just want to make clear, this is why I do think they have sort of two dual things going on. And I think that's what you've hit on. There is a go for it now mentality with this particular group because of Jimmy and Kyle, particularly because of Jimmy. Okay, but they have backstopped themselves where their future still looks bright, regardless of what's happening with Jimmy. And again, unlike LeBron, there's not a feeling that Jimmy's going to be gone in a year. So they still have a little bit more time with Jimmy still at a high level. Whereas with LeBron, maybe they should have taken it more seriously at the time, but there always was the potential that he could go. And even though they didn't believe it until the very last minute, he did. Jimmy's not going anywhere right now. So, so they can build here, but that is kind of the dual track. And I think it's smart. And, And I think that to me, that's why the hero contract was an absolute no brainer. They explored, and then they took care of him, and it's really that simple. Now, what happens with guys like Struess and Vincent and others? Um, you know, that's another question. They're they're probably going to lose a guy or two that they want to keep because just the circumstances of the roster, the cap, the tax, and everything else. But for right now, I think they're actually in good position. I right, would do want to talk about a couple of sponsors, and then we'll uh, we'll tap into one more topic I want to get into that's related to this. Uh, go to Prize Picks, use that code 5, F-I-V-E. get your initial deposit matched. Up to $100, again, you can do this on the Google Play Store, the Apple App Store, prizepicks.com. is just rated the number one fastest-growing sports product in the country. So go to prizepicks, use the code 5, 5, I know the Dolphins are 3-3 three and three right now. God, I, I couldn't – I mean, I didn't want to talk about it. Dalvin Cook, I, I needed three more receiving yards, and I would have hit big today. Instead, he ripped off a 60-yard run at the end. Uh, but I did hit on Hill and Waddle again. Uh, use the code 5, F-I-V-E. Prize Picks has the heat props up for the season. We did an episode on this. We actually put it on the feed. So Jimmy over 21 points. Do you like it? Do you not like it? Bam over 10 rebounds. Kyle over seven assists. This is the kind of stuff that you can play on Prize PrizePix. Also want to tell you about Therapist Preferred. Use our product code 5RSN. That's the number 5. RSN, you get 25% off all of the, the gummies, the tincture, the sports cream. They got a new sports cream on there. So check that out. TherapistPreferred.com, 25% off. So let's get to this. If they are kind of in a hybrid stage in the build cycle, they've got these two tracks. Then what marks success here? Because it sort of feels like if you're, Greg, if you're saying, if we're saying, okay, they got Jimmy, but they don't necessarily have to win a title in the next year or two because they can build with Tyler and Bam and others that they bring in to surround them. Is that because they have a little bit of a safety net here? Is that a fair way to look at this?
1: Well, the resident sunshine pumper heat enabler would obviously say so. No, truthfully, I don't think so. It's, it's more of a scenario like this. I think they have to look at it like, be really grateful that Bam and Tyler are young and also really, really good because like they've had young players that were just not ready yet. And these guys can help Jimmy and Kyle get a title. So to me, it's you've kind of locked in this roster, which you alluded to uh in the last segment. Yeah, this is the team for this season and besides a Duncan Robinson and a Dwayne Dedman expiring contract for some bloated deal for a player with a lot of talent that helps fit an exact need and I think that they can explore that throughout the throughout the season. That's not crazy. Uh and that could be a significant upgrade to this group, right? So it's go for the title with Jimmy. Go all in. They're not going to stray away from that. They're not going to they're obviously not going to tank, but they're also not going to do things that are like half measured, knowing that you have Tyler and Bam as some security blanket for the future, All it really is, is that you, unlike every previous build where you went all in on kind of a range of ages and those were your core guys and that was it. And when they were done, it was going to have to be a hard reset, if not a rebuild. This is a scenario where you have a couple guys that are going to be intertwined in both eras and that's going to help their development long-term. So I think that it awards them no... Uh, level of being patient when it comes to maximizing Jimmy's window, but also like that doesn't mean you just sell off every draft pick and it's like your only chance ever. Um, I just don't see them necessarily operating in a way where they're gun shy necessarily to pull off those moves to try to get somebody. Uh, it this more like the way that this offseason played out, uh, and we'll close, um, in terms of like this team and this summer. I really think that this really shows how vested they are to Bam and Tyler, and maybe that was law. We lost sight of that. I specifically lost sight of that this summer, um, and so that's a big takeaway for me too. Is that they love the guys that they've got, and they proved it by, by you know, resigning them.
0: One thing that they'll say is that they like to have a roster where it's kind of five, five, and five. So you've got five guys sort of more, you know, veteran guys towards the end of their careers uh, who can still contribute. And then you've got five guys kind of in their prime and they got five younger guys. I actually think this roster tilts more towards the younger end than it does towards the front end more so than other rosters, but it's more balanced than last season, I think. Uh, And and I, I think it's more balanced than it's been in terms of contributors. It's a little bit closer. They don't have as many in the middle, but they, they have guys who are kind of going into the middle guys like Gabe Vincent have now gotten some experience, you know, guys like Max. Okay. Duncan is kind of there at this stage, you know, but then you've got on the, on the young end, you've got O'Meara, who's an older player, but in terms of experience, he's, he's younger, Jovic, uh, you know, and that kind of thing, you know, and on the front end, and but you've got Tyler and Bam who've kind of left that they are there in age, especially Tyler in particular, in that sort of first five group in terms of, But but their experience is significant. So they're kind of moved into more closer to their prime, but their prime is going to be extended, especially Tyler's, because he's gotten such a jump on it from an age perspective because he's 22 years old. Okay, bam, being 25. So I I feel like they feel good from an age perspective. And it was something that struck me that Spolscher said, as he was talking about Haslam talking to Jovich and the age difference, you know, 23 year age difference between the two of them. Uh, They have a very wide range of of experience on this roster of youth of enthusiasm. Doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win a title. It doesn't mean that they're going to be better than Milwaukee or Boston or Brooklyn or uh, Phoenix. They'll be better than the Lakers or the, or the Clippers or, or Golden State or Memphis. I mean, there are a lot of quality teams. I think there are a lot of a minus B plus teams in the league this year. I think they're among them. And they think if they catch the right breaks with the right depth, they can keep Jimmy healthy. They get, they get improvement from Bam and Tyler. That they can compete this year without sacrificing the future. And that's I think that's where they're at. And I think, I think you're right in that they feel like they have one move left. And, and that move probably will come through a Duncan and Dedman sort of deal, like you say. But I don't think they feel like they have to do it. Right now, and that's that's a different place to be. They've got a lot of sort of young vets on this team at this stage in terms of what what they've been through. You know, when you're in an organization like Miami, it's different from being in an organization like Sacramento. You're playing high high leverage games all the time. And that that increases your experience level as opposed to staying young forever in, on a bad franchise. It's it's very, very different. All right. Thanks to Greg. Thanks to our sponsors, c-armandstaffing.com. Staffing, Prize picks use the code 5FIVE, and therapists preferred use the code 5RSN. Have a good night, everybody.
1: Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports
0: Network.